the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Human beings are afraid to die. One of the reasons that is is because there is a void in us created in the shape of God and only He can fill it. And when we don't have Him, we are nervous creatures. But we don't now fear death because we have a future hope that we're going to stand before him, not as enemies, but as children, as heirs, as citizens of heaven, as members of the family of God. And our perspective has changed. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry. Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's study, our walk through the book of Romans continues as we hear a message that Pastor Keith has entitled, What is Salvation? So if you have your Bibles... Turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 5. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you that we can gather today and just begin to understand our salvation as we look into Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Lord, you have done for us what we could not and would not do for ourselves. You have blessed us beyond what we could expect for our hope through what Christ accomplished for us on the cross and in the power of his resurrection. Help us understand it better today. Help me to be clear as I try to communicate that so that we can take what we learn and share it with others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We are back in Romans. We have a series on Romans called Understanding the Faith. If you understand Romans, you understand Christianity. If you understand the book of Romans, you understand the whole Bible. If you understand Romans, you understand the world that you live in. It is the greatest letter ever written. It's a breathtaking letter that explains Christianity, what it means to be a Christ follower from Genesis to Revelation. And it's it's critical that we understand it because... If we don't understand our salvation, we cannot explain it to other people. If we don't understand our faith, we can't practice it. If we don't understand our faith, we cannot share it. And so if you will, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. 
We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11, and we will get into really understanding our salvation because it is described for us here in the most amazing terms imaginable. Verse 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from, by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now are we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is a wonderful passage. It describes our salvation. It helps us understand and even define our salvation. And in it, we find four descriptions of what it means to be a believer, what it means to be justified, four descriptions of justification by faith and the blessings that we receive through that, four descriptions of our salvation. Romans chapter 5 is really broken into two movements. Uh, The first movement describes our salvation and all of the benefits bestowed upon us. That's verses 1 through 11. That's what we're going through today. The second movement, verses 12 through 21, really tells us how we found ourselves far from God and how we were brought close to God. It's almost a summary of our condemnation through the sins that Adam and then later we committed and our justification through what Christ has accomplished for us. And What we're going to be focusing on today is the summary of our salvation. So let's consider four descriptions of our salvation. And the first description that we find is this, is that salvation is peace with God. Salvation is peace with God. When you have Christ, you are no longer at war with God. And you might say that God is no longer at war with you. Where do we find this? We find this in the opening verse of chapter 5. Therefore... And this is in light of chapter 4 and all that's come before since we have justification by faith. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the message of Romans. This is the message of salvation. This is the message of the Gospels. This is the message of the Bible. God created a perfect world and humanity broke it and broke fellowship and relationship with God through our first parents, Adam and Eve. And then we ourselves, through the sins that we have practiced and committed personally, we have broken faith with God. We have, in our own way, foolishly, entered into a war that we could not win. We are insurgents. We are the resistance to the kingdom of God. 
And therefore, we needed someone to make peace with God because we have created a gulf between us that only Christ could bridge, and bridge it he did. We needed a peace treaty that we lacked the competence or understanding to make, and Christ has made it for us. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some people go, well, wait a minute. I, don't, I never declared war on God. Well, we've talked about this before. You break a city ordinance, you get a ticket, right? You break a state law, you might go to jail. You break a federal law, you could be put in prison for life or executed. You break international law, people declare war against you. You break God's law, and you are really, really at war. You've picked a fight that you can't win, so to speak. That's the reality of it. We are part of the original attempt to overthrow the governance of God on this planet, and the human race today continues to wage that war against the righteousness of God. I mean, look at the world around us. Look at the things we approve of. The wrath of God, as we talked about in Romans 1, 18 to 32, is poured out on those who suppress and oppress the truth and unrighteousness, who deny his existence, and who encourage others to do the same. We've dug in, we've dug trenches, and the war is on. We've befriended the culture, and what does it say in James? Friendship with the world is enmity, hostility towards God, and we need a mediator to step in and make peace, and that's what Christ has done for us through his crucifixion, He paid the debt that we owed that we could not pay ourselves. And with his resurrection, he has shown us that we can trust him to conquer death for us and to end the separation between us and God if and only if we will surrender. We will lay down our arms and trust in him. Now, this peace that he brings is the good news of great joy that we celebrate at Christmas time, that there is a savior for all people, which is Christ the Lord. But that kind of peace isn't a peace necessarily that means ease of life. It isn't a peace that means life is going to get easier, that, that you're going to have it easy after you embrace, after you surrender to Christ, after you trust him. It is not a life of ease. It's not an uncomplicated life. It's not a hardship-free life, and it certainly isn't health, wealth, and prosperity. It's a calming peace. It's a settled peace that understands that beyond the slings and arrows of this life, awaits a greater life, that this life is short, that eternity is long, and that we have a peace of mind knowing that we belong to God. Jesus talks about it this way in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We have a different kind of peace. The Bible describes it in Philippians 4 as a peace that surpasses all human understanding, a peace that transcends our experiential life here on earth where our situations and circumstances are sometimes difficult. It's a peace that comes because of the benefits that salvation brings. And what are those benefits? Well, one of them is access to God's grace through faith. You know, we were cut off from God. And now we have access to God. When we pray, seven and a half billion people in this world, when you pray, when I pray, the king of the universe inclines his ear to listen. That's access to God. Where do we find this discussion of access to God? In Romans 5, 2. Look at this. Through him, through Christ, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Our lives, our futures have been changed. We've been changed from the inside out. 
our eternal destination has been rerouted from the path that leads to destruction to the path that leads to life. And we now have access to God. We are his children. We stand. It talks about into this grace in which we stand. We have the ability to stand before him in prayer. We have the ability to come boldly before the throne of grace, not based on what we have done, but based on what Christ has done for us into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Human beings are afraid to die. One of the reasons that is is because there is a void in us created in the shape of God and only he can fill it. And when we don't have him, we are nervous creatures. But we don't now fear death because we have a future hope that we're going to stand before him, not as enemies, but as children, as heirs, as citizens of heaven, as members of the family of God. And our perspective has changed. Psalm 1 talks about that sinners, those who do what they know is wrong against God, cannot stand in the presence of God, cannot stand among the assembly of the righteous. But we can because we have been given access into this grace that Christ has provided by making peace with God on our behalf. We were enemies with God, right? We don't like to think about that. It doesn't sound so nice. But the bottom line is that's what we were. In Romans 5.10, it talks about that we were enemies of God. We were at war with him. Colossians 1.21 describes us as alienated and hostile towards God. And we needed a cessation of hostilities. We needed to throw down our arms and surrender. We needed to have the way paved for that. And Christ is that way. And through that peace with God and that access to God, we have a changed life, a changed mind, a changed thinking, and a changed perspective. Where do we see that? In verses 3 and 4 says, not only that, referring to what we just read, but we rejoice in our suffering. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And Paul will go on to say that that hope does not disappoint. You see, now that we belong to him, now we begin to make sense of our existence. Now we understand him. Now we are related to him, and we understand that our suffering is never wasted, that all things, as we'll talk about later on in Romans 8, truly do work together for good, and that there is a purpose for everything that happens in our lives. That's what the Bible helps us make sense of our existence. That's what Roman does. We rejoice in our suffering because our suffering is not wasted. It produces endurance, patience, perspective, and endurance produces character, God preparing us for the next assignment that he's going to give us, strengthening our faith, exercising our faith, building into us a different mindset, a different ethic, as it were. And it says, and character produces hope. The benefit of peace with God is this privilege that brings us into conflict with the world so that we can tell the world about him. And he gives us the strength to do in him that we could not do in our own flesh. He gives us the perspective, the character, and he gives us the hope. And it's not a hope like, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow or later today. It's the hope that is a certainty that we have a heavenly home because of what Christ has done for us and making peace with God for us. Suffering produces endurance. That is an enduring faith. And this endurance and faith produces a godly character that increases our usefulness to the kingdom. And all of this produces hope and trust and confidence in God. If he saved us, he can sustain us because of what he has done for us. Paul writes elsewhere in Romans eight fourteen through 18, For we are all led by the Spirit of God. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Peace with God produces a whole different mindset, a whole different perspective. We are children, joint heirs with Christ. That peace with God that brings us access brings us enablement as we entreat and petition him for wisdom and strength. And he builds character into us so that he can use us for greater things. And we understand that our hardship and sufferings in this life are not wasted. And he uses us to begin to change the world because of this grace in which we stand, in which we stand firm, and this hope that we rejoice in the glory of God because we have reconciliation. Because we have peace with God. Ephesians 2.13 and 19 talks about the change that all this brings. That what peace with God accomplishes. Look with me now. But now in Christ you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. And members of the household of God. Your family. You have access to Papa, Abba, Father. That's what that means. Peace with God changes everything. Salvation changes everything. And he can use us then to change the lives of others around us. Salvation is peace with God. Which brings us to our second description. You say, what? somebody says to you, well, what is salvation? Describe that to me. You say, well, it's peace with God. But it's also this, number two, it is provision from God. It is provision from God with peace comes provision. We see provision mentioned implicitly and explicitly here in verse 5 in a number of ways. Watch this play out. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not, dis- does not put us to shame, does not disappoint. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That's provision. We have the love of God poured into us The agent for that is the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is provision. The Spirit of God indwelling us gives us the power and the ability to do in Christ what we could not do on our own. And the unlovable and the unloving become loving, transformed people. Look at the verbiage there. Look at the wording. Has been poured, that's provision, through the Holy Spirit, the provider and the provision who has been given to us. We've done nothing to earn it. We've only received it because God has provided it in Christ. Jesus said in John's gospel, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send another helper of the same kind as I. The helper, the Holy Spirit, will lead you into all truth. He will be in you and with you forever. That's provision. He has provided us the Spirit. He has put his love in us. He has given us assurance that we have peace with God. Access to the Father. That's provision. That's provision. And why was provision necessary? Weren't we able to do this on our own? No, we weren't. If God hadn't have provided for us, if God hadn't gone looking for us, we would have never gone looking for him, right? We talked about this in in, uh, Romans 3. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who seeks for God. So God went seeking after us. And where do we see this talked about also? We see this in Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, 
Christ died for the ungodly. That's provision. While we were still weak, the word there in some translations is helpless. The idea is powerless. There's a a nuance there. There's a gloss there that says worthless. At the right time, Christ died for us. God provided his son to redeem us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, speaking of provision. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that, for the purpose of, that we might become the righteousness of God. Provision. God has done great things for us through his son. Christ, God in in the flesh, son of God, God the son, has provided for us all we need. Even while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why all this provision? Because we were unworthy and we needed the righteousness of Christ to be credited to our account. God looks at his righteousness and gives us pardon. We were unworthy. Where does it say we were unworthy? It says it in Romans 5, 7. Commenting on what has just gone on, he says, For because one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one might dare to die. Verse 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's provision. We weren't worth it. We were worthless, helpless, powerless, unwilling and unable to come to God as he talks about, Jesus talks about in John 6. And so God came after us. He came after us. He shows his love for us, his provision for us. He set his heart on us and that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, who knew no sin, took the penalty of our sin on him. That's provision. Salvation is provision from God, by God. He provided a lamb just the way he provided a lamb for Abraham in place of Isaac. Christ is the lamb of God who died for our sin, the perfect sacrifice. And God looks on his righteousness and pardons us. That's what it is, provision. Salvation is peace with God. Salvation is provision by God, from God. And salvation, which if we think this through, particularly in our text, is protection from God. I want you to think about that because it goes both ways. Salvation is protection from God. What am I saying here? There's actually a play on words. We receive protection from God because God protects us from himself. Think about this. Who are you protected from? You're protected from God. The wrath of God is poured out from heaven against us because we suppress the truth and unrighteousness. We ignore his grace. We reject his gift. We, we break his law. We sin against him. And because he's a perfect, loving, and good God, he is a just God who cannot allow people who commit murder, people who, who commit genocide, people who sin, the wages of sin is death, he cannot let them off the hook. A loving God is a just God. And so when we break his law, when we stick our finger, so to speak, in the eye of the Almighty, when if we break a city ordinance, we can expect a ticket. We break a state law, we can expect jail. Federal law, maybe death. International law, war. When you break the law of God, look out. You have declared war on the Almighty and you need to be protected from him. And so we get grace, right? We get peace with God. We get provision from God and we get protection from God. Jesus Christ dies in our place, pays our sin debt because we were enemies of God. Where does it say that? Look at Romans 5.10. For while if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God 
by the death of his son, now much more are we reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, it says that we were children of wrath by nature. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Amen.